Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchine as we conclude the series, What Do Christians Really Believe? Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Today, we are concluding this eight-week series about what we believe as a church community. As a reminder, what we believe is a true story about King Jesus and his kingdom community. Now, last week, we talked about how we are in the now and not yet time of the kingdom. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus brought the kingdom of God here to earth. But the kingdom is not fully present. This is the time you and I currently live in, the now and not yet. But today we want to talk about where the story is going, what lies ahead. And yes, that means we're going to talk about heaven and hell. Do I have your attention? I'm pretty sure you're interested in this topic because throughout the history of time, people have always been interested in the afterlife. In his book simply titled Heaven, author Randy Alcorn makes the case that all cultures have been shaped by a sense that we will live forever somewhere. In the pyramids of Egypt, the embalmed bodies had maps placed beside them as guides to the future world. Australian Aborigines pictured heaven as a a distant island beyond the Western horizon. Native Americans believed that in the afterlife, their spirits would hunt the spirits of buffalo. Alcorn writes, the unifying testimony of the human heart throughout history is belief in life after death. Every culture has a God-given innate sense of the eternal, that this world is not all there is. And so today, we're going to talk about where the story is going. However, even though this talk is about the future, this part of the story matters today. The hope we find in this part of the story makes all the difference in how we live our lives today. So let's talk about where the story is going. To begin, let me ask you, what comes to mind when you think of heaven and hell? One of the challenges in talking about the afterlife is often many of our ideas of heaven and hell come more from medieval history and popular culture than from scripture. Since the 14th century, Dante's Inferno has shaped many of the images we think of when we think of hell. And of course, much of what we know of the afterlife today, we've gleaned from this. Funny show, but probably not very accurate. Where we start in framing our understanding of the afterlife is important. And I'd argue that the way culture frames the story is wrong. In the cultural story, earth is now and heaven and hell come later. And in this framing, we don't have any experience of heaven or hell, why we are in this life on earth. They appear as two competing destinations for our eternity. In this framework, we talk about people going to heaven or going to hell. But the kingdom story frames reality in a different way. In the kingdom story, heaven and hell are current realities we all experience in some way now. Author Joshua Ryan Butler explains, Our world is being ravaged by the destructive power of hell. 
Sin has unleashed it into God's good world, and God is on a mission to get it out. And in this kingdom story, heaven isn't just about the future. It is a present reality. This is the now and not yet presence of the kingdom on earth. Every time we get a taste of how things should be, we're experiencing a bit of heaven on earth. And remember, Jesus told us to pray for more and more of this, for God's kingdom to come, God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So with this kingdom story framing our understanding of current realities, let's see what scripture really has to say about where the story is going. So should we start with the good news or the bad news? Let's start with the bad news. Most of us would prefer to not think about hell. Some people choose to abandon a belief in hell altogether. However, if Jesus is our king, we have to come to grips with the truth that he, who has shown God's love in ways no one else ever has or could, talks about hell as a reality. In his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says things like, And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. In his parable about the sheep and the goats, he says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, the majority of theologians believe that the language Jesus uses in these passages is metaphorical. For example, the word for hell in this first passage from the Sermon on the Mount is Gehenna, which was actually the name of the smoldering garbage dump of ancient Jerusalem. But Jesus uses this this powerful imagery to point to an eternal reality. There will come a time of judgment. Understand, in order for God to be love, in order for God to be good, at some point, he has to judge sin. As New Testament scholar N.T. Wright points out, God is utterly committed to set the world right in the end. And that setting right must necessarily involve the elimination of all that distorts God's good and lovely and lovely creation, and in particular, of all that defaces his image-bearing human creatures. Yet the most common misconception about hell is that God sends people there. This misguided belief ignores the nature of evil and human responsibility. God finds no pleasure in any person being lost. John, one of Jesus' closest friends, reminds us, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's desire is for every person to be saved, for every person to experience eternal life as part of his kingdom community. Sometimes people imagine hell as a a terrible place where people are held as criminals in a prison with, with God holding the key. But the reality is, the lock is on the inside, and every person holds the key. The key is Jesus. 
We either choose to declare our allegiance to King Jesus, become part of His kingdom community, and experience heaven, or we choose hell. God does not send anyone to hell. Hell is a result of a choice we make. Brilliant writer C.S. Lewis put it this way, Hell is the greatest monument to human freedom. Those who follow Jesus say to God, Thy will be done. And to those who insist on living a life without God's grace in Jesus, in the end, to them God says, Thy will be done. It is not God's will that any person experiences hell. So let's turn our attention to what God does want, what God does will. Let's talk about heaven. And just like there are a lot of misconceptions about hell, there are also a lot of misconceptions about heaven. And let me start out by saying that there is a lot about heaven that we just don't know. There are parts of the eternal that will remain a mystery until we get there. However, that doesn't mean that we can't know anything. The Bible does give us glimpses of what lies ahead, and today I want us to look at one of the most important passages about heaven that can be found in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is one of the most controversial and, and hard-to-understand books in the Bible. In it, the author John records various visions given to him and uh, about where our story is going. And near the end of the book, in the second-to-last chapter, this is what John sees. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So what does all of this mean? Well, there is so much that we could say here, but let me highlight what I think are the three most important truths these verses tell us about heaven. First, heaven is about a new creation. God's plan is not to abandon or destroy the world he created, but to remake it. The Bible points ahead to a new heaven and a new earth that, that will be fully united together. In other words, this new creation will be a lot like the best of our current world, filled with beauty and joy and connection, but it will be devoid of all the bad. Death, loss, pain, and everything that scars our world will be gone. Remember, our world is being ravaged by the destructive power of hell. Sin has unleashed it into God's good world, and God is on a mission to get it out. 
Revelation 21 paints a picture of what our world will look like when that happens. God will establish a new physical earth and a new heaven that are perfectly joined together. The great hope of the Christ follower is that we will experience resurrection into this new eternal reality. The Apostle Paul reminds us that our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Jesus' resurrection body is a model for our future resurrected bodies. When Jesus rose from the dead, he still had a physical body, but it was transformed in some mysterious ways. As Jesus' kingdom community, we are promised a new type of bodily existence, the perfection of our present bodily life in a new heaven and a new earth. So first, heaven is about a new creation. And second, heaven is about perfect relational connection. The focus of the Bible's teaching on heaven is not on what we do in heaven. It's on who we're with. God will dwell with us and we will be his people. This is what God has always been after, a kingdom community of oneness. Heaven is not just about my individual connection with God. It's about being part of his kingdom community. Revelation 7, 9 gives us a picture of this reality, a great crowd of people that no one could count from every nation, tribe, and language standing in the presence of God himself. This is a picture we long to see and experience, right? This is the kingdom community we were created for. So first, heaven is about a new creation. Second, heaven is about perfect relational connection. And third, heaven is about God's kingdom fully restored. There will be no more crying, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. Everything that has gone wrong in the past will be made right. He will make everything new. This is an incredible picture. And notice how relational and kind this moment is. God's gentleness, his compassion, empathy, and love are on full display here. He is depicted as personally wiping the tears from our worn and tired eyes. This is what we can look forward to, a time when everything will be exactly as it should be. You know, sometimes I think we've carried around a misguided notion that heaven will be boring. We sort of picture heaven as a, a bunch of babies wearing togas and playing harps in the clouds. I mean, maybe that would be a trip for a couple hundred years, but forever? I don't think so. I mean, at some point that would definitely get creepy. But heaven is nothing like that. Heaven is about a new creation. Heaven is about perfect relational connection. Heaven is about God's kingdom fully restored. 
Now, I know it's, it's hard to really understand what this will be like. It seems so far from our, our current experience that it's a struggle to, to wrap our minds around it enough to actually look forward to it. So I want you to try something with me today. I want you to use your imagination for just a few minutes to try and grasp a picture in your mind of what it might be like to live with God and each other in this new heaven and new earth. Go ahead and and close your eyes for a minute. And can you think of a moment in your life where you were struck, maybe even overwhelmed, by something beautiful? Maybe it was watching a sunrise or sunset in a beautiful place. Maybe you were in the mountains or on the beach. Just try to bring that experience to mind right now. Try to picture it. Try to feel it. Now, while you hold on to that feeling in your mind's eye, let's try to build on it. Can you think of a time in your life when you experienced something that felt like some higher form of love? It felt transcendent. Maybe it was a first kiss Maybe it was a last one. Maybe it was the moment of your baptism or the birth of a child. Do you remember that? Let's keep going. Can you think of a moment or a season in your life when you felt the deepest connection with your friends or family? Maybe at a holiday celebration. Maybe you were just a child. Maybe it's a a random night out with your best friends. Maybe it was just a time where you, you laughed so hard together that your face and your stomach started to hurt. Now open your eyes and just try to imagine what it might be like to open your eyes for the first time in the new heaven and the new earth and in an instant, experience something that is infinitely greater than the combination of all of those moments in your life, an experience of love and beauty and joy and connection so overwhelming and so intense that in that moment, you almost think you can't possibly bear any more of it if it weren't for your new eternal body. And then that moment doubles and doubles again and again and again for all eternity. Wow. That is what we have to look forward to. This is our great hope. Jesus' second coming will usher in a new age where God's kingdom will be fully realized. And this isn't just a hope for the future. God's new creation, his kingdom, is breaking into our present world through King Jesus and his kingdom community. That vision of beauty and love and connection that you just experienced is not just about the future. It has already begun. It's why the Apostle Paul declares, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The new creation, the new heavens, and the new earth It is not just about the distant future. It's breaking into our world today. 
The kingdom of God is available to us today. Eternity starts now. And I think that leaves us with two challenges. First, ultimately, we all must make the choice in this life whether we will follow King Jesus and live eternally in his kingdom community or whether we will go our own way. This decision isn't just about our future. It's about our now, today, right now. I know that some of you may have wandered away from this kingdom commitment in life. Let today be the day that you repent and believe. Let today be the day that you find your way back to God. And second, I hope that this picture of eternity will give you great confidence and joy. But I also hope it will help all of us recognize that the most important thing we can ever do in our lifetime is to help other people find their way back to God so that they too can experience this eternal kind of life. Too many of us have been living a small story when our lives are supposed to be about the true story of King Jesus and his kingdom community. May today be the day that we all grab hold of the hope we have in Jesus. May we follow our King in the ways of his kingdom and allow him to reawaken our passion to help the people around us find their way back to God. 